Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Welcome back everyone to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette and today I have an episode for you all about adulting and life after college as a first-gen professional. And we have a special guest today. Her name is Marisol Ibarra. She is the founder of Here Comes the Sun podcast where she helps first-gen students and college graduates and young professionals navigate things that schools don't teach. So things like adulting, which is why we have her on today. She's also the proud daughter of immigrants. And by day, she's a legislative director. So she helps to draft policy for communities of color in the state of California. Outside the mic though, Marisol enjoys traveling. She loves spending time with her family and drinking coffee. We have that in common. I like all of those things too. So welcome to the podcast, Marisol. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Yvette, for, for inviting me and being able to share a little bit about my story. I'm excited to hear more. Um, I would love for you to start us off with telling us about your backstory. So tell us like what led you to becoming who you are and to, you know, taking on your current educational and career path. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we all come from different backgrounds, but mm -hmm. I think when we're able to share our story or share where we come from, I think that's when people can relate and people are like, you know, it's not, you know, impossible and, and whatever work that we do. So I guess I'll start with, you know, I am a proud daughter of Mexican immigrants. You know, my parents migrated from Mexico um, in the 80s. So, you know, they really wanted to accomplish their American dreams. So for them was being able to buy, buy a home and send their, their children to, to college because those were opportunities that they never got. So with that in mind, um, you know, always, you know, school was always a priority for my parents. You know, they they worked, my dad, you know, worked, you know, the night shift and my mom, you know, sometimes would work the night shift, but, you know, they would try to balance the, you know, daycare. So that really, you know, instilled in me, you know, hard work, always working really, really hard. And I think always being really grateful for each, for each opportunity. When I was um, in, you know, growing up, I was very involved in school because I felt that my, my involvement in school didn't make me feel that I had to go home and sometimes mm. worry about the problems that were happening right. at home, you know, the problems, around you know poverty the problems around yeah. you know um access to food or or just things that would come up in life so I think I was very involved in school I I took on a lot of leadership roles <laughs> growing up you know I was part of like you know my my student body associated student body and I was like the president I was just like always involved and always spending time you know in school and just trying to find I think resources and at a very long young age I think 
I learned how to advocate. And it was such a skill that has helped me, you know, through all of life, just because of the resources that not were not given to us, you know, at a very uh, young age, but also like the schools that we came from, they didn't have opportunities. So I, I was always, you know, looking for opportunities, looking for, you know, internships and really putting myself out there because I knew that was a way that I, that I knew that I was going to be successful and be able to not just lift myself up or my family, but you know, my, my, my whole community as a whole. So that's a little bit of background, I think my upbringing. Um, but I, I did get a full scholarship to go to Cal Poly Pomona. So that's where I got my undergraduate degree. Nice. And my time at Cal Poly was was amazing. I, I did get an opportunity to to study abroad. I went to Dubai oh, and Hong Kong wow. yeah, to study abroad, <laughs> which was an amazing experience in itself. I got to teach um, different curriculum at different state prisons, um, you know, so that was really amazing work and really work that really grounded me. But I also, um, you know, to pivot and to, to really learn about where did I want to go after I graduated college? All through through life, I thought I wanted to become an attorney that I wanted to, you know, help defend folks. But, you know, once you're in those positions or you're doing those types of internship, you realize that maybe that work is not, you know, as as impactful as you think that you would want to be. So, um, you know, just really putting myself out there. I did an internship with the with the judge. I got to study abroad, but I also um, a requirement in Cal Poly Pomona with, you know, getting your bachelor's in political science is that you had to do a senior thesis for wow. a whole year. So I did a whole year of, of research um, prior to me graduating. You know, I was able to present at the political science um, association, you know, to present my, my work. And I really think, you know, all that skill set has helped me today in the position that I am today. I'm, I'm currently a legislative director um, working in California state legislature, just working on policy. So all that skill set that I learned through life and through college has really, you know, shaped the way I think and the way I really, um, you know, advocate on behalf of, of Californians when it comes to state policy. That's, That's a little great. bit of my, in a nutshell. <laughs> I love it. Um, it's very, very succinct. I'm like, oh, you got straight to where you're at now, which is perfect. Um, and it gets me to the next question, which is, so you're here to talk about adulting and you're here to talk about life after college. And I can imagine it must have been really, um, for a lot of us, it, it's difficult to figure out what you want to do in life. <laughs> and so I'm wondering how or what was your your first year out of undergrad, what was that experience like? Like, how did you navigate that transition? Yeah, absolutely. And th to be honest, I think I'll go a little bit a prior year after, before graduating. I think, you know, people ask you, like, what are you going to do mm -hmm. after college? That that question that you're like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to finish, you know, my classes to to get to that level. Like, you're, you're not thinking as much ahead. But then when people start questioning you, you know, there's like fear of like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything lined up, you know. And I think, you know, that really did come to mind. So I did get the opportunity my last uh, year when I was doing my research for my thesis to come up to Sacramento um, to do an internship and all like I guess like really trying to prepare you for the workforce so I was working um, in the California legislature like as an intern but my hours were nine to five so I think that was kind of the first real experience but I was still like you know I was still a student so they would still give me you know like 
treat me like a student, but also like a working professional, like a like a pre-step, like a preschool, I guess, for 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 the workforce. So I think that really allowed me to 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 also like there was days where I was like I'm gonna take a day off or I'm gonna you know I have to focus on my research and then they would be really cool about it so I think that gave me the the, the pre-steps before me you know really being my first year out in the workforce so that was really good I think I really it allowed me to like you know I I, I kind of like this work but um so yeah so that was kind of the 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 beginning portion of it but then I did graduate you know time came up you know mm-hmm. um I, I did have the opportunity that, you know, there, there was an opening, you know, within my office so that I can, you know, move on from an intern to, to a paid employee to what it's called a legislative aid. So um, to be honest, in the beginning, I was like, you know what, like, let me think about it. Like I was, I wasn't sure because I was like, it's far away from home. I, you know, my school was in Pomona in, in Southern California mm-hmm. and I had moved 300 miles, which is not that much, but you know, being a first generation, first time moving out of home is, is hard. You know, that yeah. transition itself. So I remember, you know, having to, my dad had to bring me up, you know, oh. he had to bring me up to Sacramento and it was very emotional for mm-hmm. him you know, just leaving their daughter, even though I was already like, almost what 22 years old, but it was the first time then having to to do it. And even to this day, I like a couple weeks ago was my birthday. And my dad was, you know, talking about that experience with Mm -hmm. with with his with 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 the family. And he just says like, it wasn't a great experience. Like Sacramento, I'm happy that you're there and that you're and that you're thriving and that you're that you're succeeding. But I Sacramento doesn't have a really nice place in my heart, you know, right now mm-hmm. because of the moment I had to leave you and I had to leave a part of me there. Oh. So it's it the I guess from him sharing that perspective really really made me think it was like wow, it was really hard for them to to leave. And I think oftentimes we don't we don't hear our parents be very emotional or, you know, show that type of love. But I know that they're that they're always there to support us and to support our dreams, even though in the beginning, it's it's really hard. So, yeah. So I think coming back to our, my first year in the workforce, I'll be honest, I was so tired, like nine, the nine being just the fact that I was nine to five. I had I would get home. I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to take a nap because I'm so tired. Like like just it was just so hard for me to to just like navigate you know <laughs> working the nine to five but then you know little by little I started to to really come to the realization that you know that this was it like this was this was you know the workforce this was what it means to be a young professional you know and and, and, it, and it hit me it hit me really really hard the fact that that was it and and I, and it was the grind I think of of come coming to the realization that this was you know I had to do the small task I had to you know go make print documents you know I wasn't doing the glamorous work of you know really you know working in policy like I like I envision or you know or working on on, on policy but I think within the time it came you know with the trust yeah. of, of of the team trusting me um, you know, I was like, hey, like I would communicate with my mentors and my and my manager. I was like, hey, like I'm really interested in working on policy. Like I can manage, you know, the, what's what we have to do in the office, but I also want to be part of the conversations on how you navigate, you know, negotiations when it comes to policy, or how you kind of your your thoughts when it comes to, you know, writing certain policies. So I really was very intentional on asking my my manager if I can, you know, tag along. And I think tagging along really showed me 
how things are done mm-hmm. and really showed me the hands-on approach of, of how to do the work. That's great. You know, I'm really glad that you talk about this experience and you share the struggles in navigating a nine to five immediately after graduating, because I think I hear from a lot of students who are so burnt out from school and then they think that a nine to five will be a break. And so, so they're just like, oh, I just need time off. I just need to get a full-time job. I just need to see like something else, you know, the, some, something different than what they've had, which is schooling most of their life. And uh, on the other side of things, because uh, I am someone who has gone to grad school and also had a nine to five, it's, it's hard either way. It, it is really hard. And I also think we need to demystify this idea that you have to land a perfect dream job right after graduating. I don't think that's true for most people. It might be for some, but for most of us, I I like to tell people, think about like your first job as your stepping stone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so that's, you need that stepping stone job. That stepping stone job might require you to be, um, I don't know, stapling paperwork for someone making copies, getting coffee, whatever it is, like or just learning the basics or shadowing someone like, like you did, you know, where you're asking, can I step in? Can I watch? Can I observe? My first um, job after graduating uh, grad school was uh, assisting someone in a scholarship center and she managed over a million dollars worth of scholarships. And so I asked, can I help you with this process? And so I got to see the behind the scenes process of like interview selection and how you like oversee different funds and who it goes to and like relations with donors and that was huge for me because then it opened me up to all these other opportunities afterwards so I I, I just feel like there are a couple of things that you said there that are going to be especially helpful to my listeners about one it's hard either way that first year out of it's hard if you don't have a job because then you're struggling to pay bills and figuring out what am I going to do with my life it's hard if you have a job because the nine to five is no joke. You know, it's every single day, nine to five, sometimes longer. And it leaves you very little time, especially if you're commuting, very little time to yourself. It's hard if you go back to school because you haven't had that mental break. And so it's just about like being compassionate with yourself in whatever stage you're at um, that mm-hmm. first year after graduating. Now, I would love to hear more from you about the topic of adulting. And just some of the things that you wished that you had learned or someone would have taught you or shared with you or like, what were the parts of life after college that were especially difficult? And I know because you yourself have the similar background, child of immigrants, first gen, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think going back to glamorizing, you know, your first job out of college, and I think social media has played a, a big factor. We, we see people doing this like very glamorous job, but it's like, it, it's not always like that, you know, yeah. like it, it looks even on, what on we picture. do, because you're a fellow <laughs> podcaster too. And I'm like, y'all see us putting out podcasts regularly. You don't see all the, the hustle. You don't see the it. editing. <laughs> exactly. You don't see that. that, that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't yeah. do that the hard part where you're like hold on let me go back let me rehear this let me like yeah. you, know, you have to go back <laughs> so yeah absolutely and I think it, it's okay I think the, the point is like just get your foot in the door sometimes sometimes just getting that foot in the door allows you to see what you're actually gonna like because sometimes we think you know our parents you know, have said, you know, go to school and then, you know, you'll, you'll find a job that you're really passionate about or like, you know, 
my parents were like, ah, you can be, you know, an abogada, an engineer, or a doctor. Those were like the only options because that's all they kind of knew. And yeah. that's all they knew that was like high paying jobs mm-hmm. for them. But it's like, no, like, I think you have to, it has to come back to you. And it has to come back to like, what are you truly passionate? Why are you, why do you want to become a lawyer? Is it because your parents have ingrained in you that, you know, that you argue so much or that you, that you always are like, you know, willing to argue? Or is it because, you know, that's truly what you want so I think you know once you once if you're in college you ask yourself those questions but if you already graduated with the degree still you're able to ask yourself questions and I think that you know that we're gonna have multiple jobs we're gonna have multiple roles and you have the ability to change your mind and just because I got a degree in political science doesn't mean that I can't go into the business sector there's gonna be very transferable skills that you learn that are gonna help you like for example negotiating I learned negotiating through the political science view but I but now like I get to negotiate negotiate you know negotiate my pay which is another mm-hmm. thing about adulting but I get to negotiate you know different things on on policy on the policy sector that I was like wow that that skill set really helped me so I think it really comes back to you and really what do you want to do like you know if it means that you're interested maybe in the creative side of of something like maybe try to go into that sector and maybe you are going to be an assistant I when I started I was an assistant you're not going to become an you're not going to come into the workforce and be a manager right away. Like, no, you have to really come come to, to whatever industry you're in and really come with an open mind and say, hey, like, what what does your night what does your day look like what are, what are you constantly what are your challenges like ask your managers when you ask yourself these 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 questions because then you're like hey like I really want to do that or like no I mm-hmm. don't I want to I really want to do something else so I think I really want to emphasize that like come with an open mind. And I think when you come with an open mind, opportunities will open and opportunities will come. And when you're passionate, people notice the passion and and the many doors will open in, in the process. So I want to first, you know, emphasize that. But I think now coming back to adulting, mm-hmm. like I said, it was so hard to come to the realization that I was like, this is it. Um, this is my nine to five. I've worked, I don't know how many years my parents, you know, really said, you know, once you graduate college, you know, you're going to have a career and you're going to have a well-paying job. And I was like, uh, this is not it. You know, like I, it's not, I'm not making, you know, the, 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 the money that I thought I was going to be. That's okay. Can we talk about that a little, just a little bit more because I had that experience too. Sorry. I, I just got so excited, but I think that for me as a student, not having had a full-time job and not having been taught about things like taxes mm-hmm. and benefits, when I assumed someone made a certain salary, I thought they had it made. I thought they were yeah. living it up. <laughs> and then when I finally achieved a certain salary level, uh, let's say it's like 60,000, I thought, oh my gosh, if I make 60,000, I'm good. I'm going to be fine. Like, And then when I was like, Okay, now take away take away one third of that paycheck to benefits and taxes. Okay, now you're living off of forty thousand, and now take away like um, half of that for for rent. For and then all of a sudden you have twenty thousand, and now take away half of that for childcare. And all of a sudden you know it just gets smaller and smaller. And then I was still like barely making ends meet, or or just like in the neck that first year. I remember being in the negative because mm-hmm. I was. Um, living above um above my means and not because I was spending frivolously it was because my cost of living was so high and I I I realized that the hard way I realized that 
in like in doing it, I didn't realize it, you know, when I accepted the job and didn't negotiate, you know? So those are things that, like you said, negotiating your pay, negotiating your first job, your first salary, not something you're taught, but it is, it is, um, it is okay to do that, you know, and, yeah, and many people expectation, but you're not taught that you're taught to be like grateful for whatever you get, especially there's like gendered and cultural factors, um, behind that. So yeah, there's, there's that. And, I'm sorry, I re- like I was <laughs> completely no, interrupted you, but I just wanted to go back to this idea of you you think that you have it made and then you reach this point where you're like, I have this job that's a good job, or sometimes it might even be the dream job. And you said it right there, this is it. Like, wait, what? This is this is my life. <laughs> yeah yeah and once you get that realization you're like oh you you, you, I think you start to like question everything and I think Mm -hmm. questioning that is is always good because then you really have you ask that those questions inward like am I the work that I'm doing really happy like me selling myself my my you know my nine to five those eight hours are they worth it you know Mm -hmm. are they good and I think it comes back to that question but I think let's yeah let's talk about a little bit about money money once you once you graduate and I think um negotiating a salary is so important even though you are starting as an assistant get in the habit of negotiating your salary and I know that it's going to be uncomfortable it's going to be hard the first time but if the moment you do it for the first time it's going to become easier when you get a next role so it's about doing it the first time and being intimidated and being nervous but know your numbers like do your research before before you know um sitting down in the interview or knowing that they're going to want to negotiate with you always ask for more and and i think uh, something that i really want to hit like if they can't give you maybe a higher salary negotiate how many days off you want there's Mm -hmm. different points of negotiation when it comes to to come to your first role like maybe ask them like hey like you know i'm i'm happy to for this opportunity maybe you can't give me a higher salary but I really want to know that on Fridays I'm going to leave an extra hour early because I'm prepping for you know my GRE or I'm prepping for something else or like you know I'm taking an additional course because I really want to you know be the best that I can be in my role and I think there's different ways that you can negotiate and Mm -hmm. it doesn't always have to be salary maybe sometimes it's like hey you know like I'm really interested in my personal development what can the company do to cover maybe some of these trainings or cover you know some of some courses like I really want to be on top of the game and I think when you're very proactive and being very upfront in the beginning it shows that it shows you know the company that that you are very you know proactive so that's Mm -hmm. kind of my first caveat that I always tell you know first-gen professionals negotiate 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 and 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 I think once you get really comfortable with the skill set it's going to come very natural and it's not going to be it's not going to feel intimidating so that's like my first you know caveat but I think now that we that you are making a salary let's say that you are you know in a role and you are making sixty thousand dollars like like you might think this is a lot of money because maybe like myself, like growing up in poverty, this was a yeah. lot of money. But like you said, um, they take away money for your 401k. They take away money for your health insurance benefits. If, you know, if your company provides, they take money, you know, for taxes, for, for the social mm-hmm. security. And these are, these are things that maybe you didn't, were not a, as aware. So I, so what I always recommend, you know, first-gen professionals when, um, 
when getting their first paycheck, see how much money is coming in yep. and also evaluate how much money is going out. Like, for example, you know, your housing, that's a uh, that's a line item. And I'm going kind of into the details of, of creating a budget. Yes. Every single, uh, that, I just I, released an episode on budgeting, too. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think budgeting is not a way I think I always really come back to the to the to the emphasis of like no budgeting is not limiting yourself you're just really being very intentional of where your money is going yeah. because once we're aware and once we see the numbers you're like really like you know 50 percent or 15 percent of it is going on you know on something that is not really bringing you joy like maybe you should be very intentional ask yourself like maybe i, I can cut this area because i want to create you know i want to have money enough money to to have a travel fund or i want to be able to buy my home you know in the next couple of years or whatever goals you have creating um you know these 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 funds what are called you know safe yeah pretty much funds um within your budget to make sure that you that you that you pay those out and then you know in the future you can you can use those resources so you know review your finances i know in the beginning it can be intimidating it can be hard seeing how much money is coming in but it's not until you really sit with those numbers and you really are very intentional about you know each allocation for each then that's when you actually can set goals and be very intentional and feel that your your finances are in order because that's a, a part of adulthood that really it's hard like maybe our parents didn't they would manage all our money or they would manage you know the household but then you that's responsibility comes to you back to you so it's being mm -hmm. very mindful and very intentional so what I like to do is that I set myself two dates each month of like reviewing my finances so like on the 15th when I get paid and then the last of the month and it's like I treat myself to a little coffee or I'll make a little like a little you know I'll turn, turn on a little I light a candle and then I'm like, you know, I'm just going to focus, you know, this hour and I'm like just an hour and I set a timer in this hour. I'm just going to focus on where money is going. You know, our bills being paid, you know, automation is, mm -hmm. is, is a game changer for our first gen professionals. Um, you know, just automate your payments. If it means, you know, if you have a credit card, you know, automate, you know, if you send $50 every month, making sure that it's automation. So I really am. Um, I create a, a I guess a, a date so that I can it doesn't feel as as painful when it comes to to budgeting and just trying to romanticize you know my 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 budget process. Yeah, I do something similar for me. It's at least once a month and it's it's a one-on-one -on -one meeting with my partner since we have yeah. <laughs> uh, joint expenses and we go over our our budget and it's it's kind of like what I do every week for my calendar so every week at the end of the week or beginning of the week I go and look at the previous week and then plan for the future week so I do the same thing with my budget look at the previous month and expenses what was budgeted and then I fill in the category for the actual like so budgeted amounts and actual amounts and then for the next month I create a new budget a lot of the things over uh you know, they stay the same. They, sh they roll over to the next month in terms of the amounts. But sometimes I notice, like I know in advance, certain months I'm going to spend more on things like December gifts or yeah, I don't know, just whatever comes up, I start to notice those trends. And so I'm able to, to account for that by like changing and modifying my budget. So there's not like just one thing set in stone. Because I think that's the thing that a lot of folks are like, I can't keep with my budget. I can't like keep up with it. I always go over and I'm like, well, are you accounting for the fact that circumstances change? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then that, and just like, like you said, it's going to be really uncomfortable at first. So 
getting used to opening up, you know, checking your, your bank accounts or checking your credit card accounts and doing it regularly that way, that, that discomfort or the shame, it starts to dissipate and slowly you start to get comfortable with your numbers and realize, okay, this is what I spend. And this is, mm-hmm. and it, sometimes it might mean, do I need to take a, another, get a, get a side hustle or another job, or do I need to shift amounts over from one thing to the other so that I can, so I can not be in the negative or so that I can not be barely making ends meet or so that I can actually start to save, save for the future, save for emergencies, save for the things that you love, like, you know, in our case, travel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, it, it comes back to the question. I really, I usually like, really like to pose this question to my, to my listeners. It's like, what is your relationship with money? Why do you feel that, you know, that, you know, some, you know, certain money, like, it belongs to you but if you have like a very limited you know mindset of like oh money is bad or money is not good like maybe you have to work a little bit behind the scenes and like i usually recommend my listeners to journal the, the simple question of like you know where does money come from or like you know what is my feelings or towards money and i think you know really just walking through through those through those questions of like you know if if money has a bad connotation for you then maybe try to switch and be like, no, money is working in my favor. I get to decide how I want to spend my money and not feel very limited. And I think another factor that I feel that I, you know, in the past was really, um, when it came to money was like, oh my God, like I'm spending money or like I'm doing this, but it's like, no, if it's allocated in my budget, I shouldn't feel guilty Mm -hmm. for me being able to spend this money. Like I allocated money very intentional. But I think coming from poverty and coming from a very limit, unlimited resources, it's really hard to sometimes spend money. But when you allocate money, you're like, no, I, I, I work really hard for this money and I deserve to maybe if it's mean going buying a coffee and that makes me happy, then I'm going to budget for that. But if it means, you know, going to the store and buying myself, I don't know, an extra pair of, of, of running shoes or, or whatever that is, like, I'm not going to feel guilty because in my, my budget allows for me to spend that money. And I think that's the beauty of, of, of having your finances in order and being able to budget and not have that guilty feeling when you spend money. Yeah, it's it's so empowering once you take control of, of your mm-hmm. money. And it, it's much in the same way that I help people when they're trying to figure out their time management and their processes and their calendaring and things like that. And I'm like, if you if you plan it all out, if you've got it on your calendar, it's okay to not work in the evenings or it's okay to take the weekends off or, it's, or whatever it is that you have scheduled in for you to get your stuff done. Like for me, I know like, if I have already, you know, planned out my week and I've got, you know, time dedicated for all the things I need to do, I, it helps me because I, I, for so long, always thought I have to be working, 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 and never allowed myself to really enjoy life. And the yeah. same was with money. It was always like, try not to spend on anything at all. It is all scarcity and try to save. And there was never even really, um, uh, a reason to save. This is just save. And it was for what? Yeah. <laughs> Am I saving for emergencies? Am I saving for the future? Am I saving for, it was just like, save as much as you can, spend as little as you can. And that's how you live your life. And I realized, you know, in adulting that um, it doesn't have to be that way. You can enjoy your life and, and, and have moments of joy and, and plan for it and, and just enjoy, enjoy your time. Enjoy. It's not always going to be joyful, but 
you can um, be intentional with your money and with your planning and other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the beauty of adulthood. I think, you know, growing up, our parents did whatever they can to, to, to survive because in yeah. reality, they were not thriving. They were surviving. They came to a, you know, to a new country, surviving and trying to make ends meet. So for us, you know, maybe we are in, in, in a place where we get to design. It's about mm-hmm. designing the life that we want. And for time management, for me, if it's not in my calendar, it's not happening. And that is for my personal and professional life. Like if you have time in my calendar, you're going to get my attention. If it's not calendar or I I don't put it in my calendar, that to-do list, it's not happening. So I think- I'm like that's- that too. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, like, am I the only one that's like this? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Because that's like, it's just, just the time and the effort. And I think, you know, being very managing your time is mm-hmm. part of adulthood as well, because you have to really come to the realization of like, what is priority? What are my deadlines? What, mm-hmm. you know, what causes me to also, what takes more time for me to accomplish a certain task, a certain assignment that is, you know, that is part of my, a part of my job. So I think it comes back to knowing yourself and what are your strengths mm-hmm. and what are your weaknesses? And, and if it's a weakness, you know, maybe Take an extra, you know, two hours to really, you know, get better at that task. But it's not until you really are very intentional and saying, you know, I'm going to do this task at this at this time. So, for example, me, one of the things that I have more trouble doing is, you know, writing writing talking points, you know, talking points, you know, for, for, I work for a member, for a Senator. So mm-hmm. that takes most, most time. And that's when I need the most brain power. So I'm like, I really have to, you know, do this in the morning. So that's the task that I put in the morning. So I think it's just being very mindful of what, what works for you. But also I think give yourself compassion. I mm-hmm. think in the beginning it's trial and error. I, I didn't know in the beginning, like I was just, I would have a to-do list and then and then the to-do to list would get three pages long and then and then I would get too overwhelmed and then I would procrastinate. Mm-hmm. But I know that my style is like, no, it has to be in my calendar. I have to set a specific time for it and then I won't procrastinate as much. But if I am procrastinating, I ask myself this question of like, why am I procrastinating? Is it because the task, is it difficult? Is it because it's, um, I, I don't know what to do? Is it overwhelming? Like, like there's not a, like a really concrete plan or, or is it, what is, do I have a fear behind it? Because sometimes it's a fear of like, you think that you're going to fail at this assignment. So that's why you don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's like that. So you have to, really so many perfectionists are, yeah. uh, they, they procrastinate because I know yeah. <laughs> been there, done that. Yeah. yeah. Same here from, from personal experience. And that's why I share it. I think it's a, mm-hmm. it's a living experience. The perfectionism gets to us. And I think you really sometimes just got to put yourself out there. And it's not until you really put yourself out there when you realize that it's like, like, I got to let go. Like, I got to mm-hmm. let go of what people are thinking about me. I have to let go of, of, of what people will say about my work. Mm-hmm. You know, just putting yourself out there. It, it does feel vulnerable. It does feel that, you know, that people might judge you. But I think some of these things are behind our head. And it's not until you really put yourself out there when you're really like, no, I can improve on this or um, I can I can do better. But it's until you put yourself out there that you really see see the change. Yeah. And I, I just I can't emphasize enough that adulting is hard. <laughs> Absolutely. <yeah. laughs> and it's harder for some of us than others because of, you know, uh, we all have different 
different strengths and, and different areas of growth. We also have different ways in which we may be privileged. And for those of us with fewer privileges, it, it will be harder. And so I just want to remind you that, that going back to what you said, Marisol, that it's okay to be compassionate with yourself and to try new things and to like leave room for, for change and for assessing, like, is this working? Is this not working? Do I need to change things up? That's why when people like ask me, oh, what's your system for doing this? Or what's your way of doing that? Like, I'm, okay, I'll share with you how I do things, but it may not be what works for you. And here are some other things that you could try out. Like it's constantly having to assess and something that might work for you might work for you for a certain period of time or a certain season, and then it might not work later. So it's just like constantly being willing to try new things and be compassionate with yourself and see what works and what works, keep doing it until it doesn't. And when it doesn't, you know, try something else out. If that, you know, applies for how you manage your money, how you manage your time, how you manage your stress, how you manage your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's coming back to that, to like that audit mindset, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm an audit. This is no longer serving a purpose. Bye bye. You know, it might come next season. You know, maybe it's, you know, a season where it's like, you know, I want to explore, I want to try maybe that is your season and and go for it but i think is is always willing to to try to try new things and not you know things are not set in stone and i think i often mm -hmm. remind folks that things are evolving we are evolving as, yeah. as human beings and and we're maybe yesterday i like something this way but then tomorrow i might find a new way and it's like no i this is i you have the ability to change and because maybe you said something in the past doesn't mean that you that you have changed your mind so Nothing is set in stone, folks. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're getting close to wrapping up. I wanted yeah. to ask you also if you have any words of advice for students who are currently in undergrad, getting ready to graduate, folks recently out of college who are trying to figure out what's next for them, you know, and folks who just in general find that adulting is hard and they're just still trying to figure it out for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'll first start with, you know, adulting is evolving as well. Like, mm -hmm. you know, there's going to be a time where maybe, you know, you, you move out of the city that you grew up in, and it's just evolving. And I think just being very open to it is is kind of the first start. And things will change, thing, you know, change will come. But I guess I'll start with with each section that I'd like to cover in my podcast. So the first one is like, career, uh, an advice for career is, um, always seek mentors mentors is what really allows you to to learn from people that have done it in the in like in the in the future like like this can be you and maybe seeking those mentors they can give you this advice of like do you see yourself in this role do you see yourself doing this kind of work so i always tell folks like you know seek mentors like if you're if somebody you think somebody is curious like you know, ask for, for a coffee date, ask people, people love to talk about themselves. Like personally, I've, I've noticed that people are like, yeah, of course, I'm happy to share my journey. I'm happy to share, you know, my process and how I can be helpful. That has been my experience. So like always seek mentors when it comes to your careers. And I think the second part of, of the career is, um, you know, notice your inner critic when it comes to your job. I think inner the inner critic voice that we all have you know notice it i think it all starts with 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 coming to the realization that we that you have an inner critic but knowing that 
you know, that that's not who you are. They're just a part of you, but that's not who you are. Because when you notice that inner critic, you're going to be able to do so many amazing things and be like, you know what, inner critic, be quiet. I got this handle. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to put myself out there. So that's my two tips for, for career. You know, money management is, you know, have a budget. Start with the budget. Um, I think having a budget will really make you feel that your finances are in order and not have a stress of like, am I going to have enough for the month? Or am I going to have, you know, am I making ends meet or, you know, living paycheck to paycheck? So having a budget really allows you to to really feel that your life is in control in, in that area. And I think another tip that maybe we didn't get an opportunity is, you know, look into investments. Once I got my first job out of college, I I was allocating not as much money, you know, to my investment account, but I, you know, I, I opened a Roth IRA because I know that I want to retire one day. So I'm investing in that. So, you know, if folks have any questions about investment, like I know that you know, feel free to reach out to me, but, you know, investment is a great opportunity to build wealth and to build generational wealth. So that's my, my, my caveat when it comes to, to, to money management and just having your finances. And the last part that I really emphasize is self-care, you know, self-love. Um, you can't do any of this work if, you know, if you're not okay, if you're not okay, if you're not taking care of your needs. And, and also I think self-care will look very different every single day, you know, really, if you know, a self care day means for you going on a run, going, you know, or maybe meditating, or maybe doing yoga, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your of your mental health, you know, if it means going to therapy, go to therapy. If it means, you know, you know, making time for yourself to journal and really create a ritual around, you know, your morning routine, you know, whatever that means, but really, really take care of yourself. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, unfortunately, you can't take care of others Mm -hmm. and you can't help uplift, you know, community. So those are my my words of advice or my things that I would recommend, you know, your listeners to to take on. And, And I know that it's hard. Life is hard. But I think it's all the way it's how we view it and how we were meant to romanticize our own personal life and 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 don't compare I think yourself to others we're on our journey and we're all here to to live our best life (laughs) that is great a really wonderful way to wrap up the podcast and I feel like each of those points that you shared for your words of advice could be their own podcast episode so thank you so much Marisol it's been so wonderful having you on and having you share your your advice your experience your wisdom I I really appreciate it yeah absolutely and thank you so much for this opportunity to share a little bit about my perspective and I think what adulthood has looked for me you know there has been tears there has been great laughs but it's all been you know an amazing experience and I thank you for this opportunity so if um you know, if, if, if some of your listeners, you know, want to find me, I have my own podcast, Here Comes the Sun, like I know you mentioned in the beginning, where I do share some of these topics, or I share some of these, you know, things that I'm trying to navigate on my own personal journey. And I, and I share them with my listeners and I share them like, you know, this is, this is life and this is, this is happening, you know, to me right now. So if folks want to listen to me, I'll leave, um, you know, you can, you can add everything on my show notes, but it's here comes the sun podcast on Instagram and you can hear it wherever you listen to, to your podcast. And the last, last question is for folks who um, really, they, they felt like they wanted to connect with you. They could relate to what you shared or just want to hear more aside from the podcast. Is there any other way that they can connect with you? 
Yeah, absolutely. Instagram is my 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 go to page. Um, you know, people send like send me DMs. Like I'm really casual. Like you know, like send me a DM if you have a question or like if there's a topic that I mention or that you're trying to navigate. Like maybe inner critic, because you know inner critic is kind of a new term that I've that I've been seeing. Like you know, reach out. I'm always happy to do to do episode and or bring experts that you know that are. are that are like really good in these topics so that we can discuss. So I'm here to help and help, you know, folks transition from college um, to the workforce, you know, easier um, rather than, you know, so overwhelming. (laughs) Right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you once again, Marisol. It was really great having you. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me in the Grad School Femtoring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or email me your review at gradschoolfemtoring at gmail.com. You can also show your support by going to gradschoolfemtoring.com and joining my mailing list where you'll receive weekly tips, podcast and blog updates, as well as discounts for my digital downloads, online courses, and much more. One last thing. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Until next time.